0: What the hell's going on
1: out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun.
0: Hello everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual. This feels silly, Peter. This feels silly. I'm gonna leave the i am just gonna leave the intro there. We talk before the podcast and then I've got to go. Right, here we go. And then we talk So, Peter, hi. How are you? I'm pretty good, Steve. Just about, <laughs> just about, just about, just about surviving with my
1: wife not being here. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay-ish.
0: Yeah, you see, usually we talk Packers, but before this podcast, I was counselling you through how to turn on the oven. Um, you know how to cook for yourself, how to do the general housework, um, how to shave, um, eat properly. Now that's not that's not an ode to you know that that women do the housework. None of that. I just mean that we're men and we're entirely useless. And if we didn't have the women in our lives around, I'm pretty sure that we would probably pass away. So Peter, how I didn't even did...
1: know what that room at
0: the back of the house was. Or what did it have in it? Can you describe generally what the machinery was? It's
1: got a, it's got a, a thing that you, you you turn some knobs and it gets hot and stuff
0: and well that's for the after errors podcast now we can't be getting too steamy and saucy <laughs> on this podcast Peter um so <laughs> yeah I have that to regularly
1: that be... would be the oven oh the oven
0: is confused okay his name is oven got it yeah. right I'll, I'll I'll jot that down yeah now you see your missus is known for running after bins at high velocity has she gone to the states to uh partake in Packer's Otas or is she gone for a different reason
1: no she's gone for a different she's gone for a different reason she's visiting family and what have you and um just enjoying enjoying the the heat of houston right now
0: at least that's what she tells you and she hasn't brought her man friend oven with her so that's great <laughs> uh that's really really good uh well look there's all, all this talk about going stateside so i'm not going to bang on about it because the last two podcasts have been pretty trip heavy uh but the trip planning is well it's not really planning it's booking really the trip booking is in full swing and we have some of the the great diehards and big time uk packer participants and fans um going over so it's going to be brilliant um i'm going to be booking my flights probably this week so to anybody who's thinking of going and yes i'm going to strong arm uh peter to come over and whoever and maybe bring the missus and bring oven as well if she can't leave him at home um to, to come over to green bay as well peter it'd be great to have you over um and to give people kind of a flavor of what it's like and, and i'm kind of appealing to you here as well is that um a lot of people uh, go over on their own it's a very relaxed atmosphere if people want to bring their wife, uh, like peter could potentially do hopefully um and you know you can get up and leave the table you can you can bugger off and do what you want to do there's lads that come over on their own and they spend night time wandering around green bay um you know looking at the sites and taking stuff in and going off there's no obligation to kind of hang around and if we put you in a room share to reduce costs you don't have to hang around with the fella even though you would probably want to because we have a hundred percent record for bringing uh, nice people over We haven't got the weirdo yet, Pete. So the vacancy is open, is what I'm saying. I'm there. (laughs) Yes, the first weirdo ever to come over to Green Bay. Uh, So to give people a reminder, it's the Oakland Raiders Week 7 game that we're going over for um so yeah it's gonna be an absolute cracker uh antonio coming to to lambo we're gonna to have to shut him down and we see and we're gonna get on to ota talk now uh pete but we see savage on the field with his new uh, partner in crime adrian amos uh even though it's spelled amos go figure uh so it's it's gonna be a, a cracker of a game like it always is and any seats and he some people talk because uh, let me run through like I'll give this another 30 seconds so the questions people are asking is is where, when can you book um do you have to pay up front? No, you don't. Uh, you have to finish paying twelve weeks before you go. But you can put down a deposit and then pay off in installments um, as you go. And then seats, so you can upgrade the seats. But is there a need to? No, you can no. have the upper ends on. Yeah, you know that Pete, right? That there there's no is, real there is, bad seat. There in the isn't house.
1: a bad seat in the house. In fact, the yeah. worst place I think you could go is is where you've been, Steve, which is in the bot in a box. Yeah, yeah. The press no, box. Ap- yeah. You've got no atmosphere in a box, but. Yep. anywhere else there's not a bad seat in the house
0: like the atmosphere is is the same if you're going like i've been upper end zone i've been around the halfway line i've been up in a box i've been in the press box and to be honest with you it's all the same and and as you say the press box is bad because of a big massive glass plate in front of you you can't cheer you can't wear your jersey you've got to sit there you, you get cool stat handouts pete which to yep. me and you was just like we've died and gone to heaven but you lose the atmosphere for that you lose the atmosphere Um so yeah, and it's the best price that we've ever done. Uh twelve thirty, uh with the discount, it should be twelve ninety five. So that's the cheapest Lambo trip that we've done. Um so leaving from London Heathrow, but there is you can like put stuff on at the front and back. I know I said I'd give it thirty seconds, here we are, banging on about it again. I'm just not gonna put this in the podcast title because then people will stop listening uh but yeah it's gonna be great so any questions uh give me a shout on at uk packers or at CDDNFL or info uk packers or go to the website UK. peter's falling asleep right now by the way and i'm going to the little chat button and hit the chat and that'll come true um and i can get back to you on that so yeah uh, give us a shout but peter the excitement is here buddy otas did you wake up in your uh, packers gym jams and start doing cartwheels around the sitting room now uh seeing the boys and green and gold i'm wearing them now steve
1: it's a good job we're not on video
0: oh the imagery so go on tell us <laughs> what is a uh, packer peters um, oh by the way we have to plug an article that's coming out really really soon on the website about the top packer tight ends which is just an absolute corker but we'll park that for a second otas packer peter what are you looking out for in otas and is there a lot to be garnered from otas or is it all just a bunch of men sweating away doing a bit of ill practice with nothing to be had at all at all
1: I, I think I think it's difficult as observers from a distance to mm. do, to garner too much from OTAs. You know, you tend to you tend to get to hear what either the team wants you to hear or the reporters want you to hear. And you know, Aaron Aaron Rodgers threw an interception that was you know was picked off by Joe Alexander, and it's like, and so what? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's you know, it's it, it's very it's very difficult, I guess. I guess what we're what we're really looking out for is get through the OTAs without any injuries. I know, yeah. um, I know that's a bit downbeat, but it's clearly important. And, and, and any kind of big stories, I guess, which, you know, the, the Josh Jones thing coming out today is is probably as big as the stories get around mm. OTAs.
0: Yeah, I didn't really expect much news. I know that there's going to be buzz around the place and I'm personally loving it, to be honest. A bit of excitement that's been injected into it. And we saw that video of Aaron Rodgers talking a, um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, sort of detailing the plays like, oh, 60-yard touchdown, 85-yard bomb, you know, and he's kind of talking and he seems excited. So there's a nice buzz around the place. um, But again, like, and I've said it before, and if anyone meets me, hopefully they get this vibe. And not in sort of a, a kind of like an aggressive way but small talk to me is the worst and OTA is like the small talk journalism section because you have people banging on about bit oh the soundtrack is da bomb at OTA. they're so like really Are we got to get on that route now I understand because I'll take any more so I can get at this stage because we've kind of been starved of all football activity and I say that And it's like the old like movie quote of like, oh, I'm oh, I'm so bored. How are we going to get through this? Oh, it's only been five minutes, you know, and that seems to be, you know, it's always these cliched stuff. And that's what it's like. It hasn't been that long since football, but I guess it's been so long since people have been excited and happy and that at least, you know, going back six months ago, if anyone was kind of negative, people were like, oh, yeah, that, that that was the de facto Packer fan way to be, I guess, online. Uh, and now people are positive. So when anybody's negative, then someone's trouncing that guy. But we have stories coming out about who's practicing, who's not practicing. And we have down that Devontae Adams, Mike Daniels and Trey Carson are not uh, practicing, but they are present. And Josh Jones, Mercedes Lewis and Greg Roberts. Now, again, there's going to be these names thrown around that people aren't really going to know. And I would say to that, um, kind of like with George St. saying, Peter, there's an awful lot of like big giant who cares. Um, but do you think that there's any credence to and these are the stories that are coming out uh, where we're going to see Billy Turner line up on the O-line um, and is his, uh, you know, where we see him practice with the O-line. Is that indicative of where he's going to end up? Now, people say yes because of the money he's paid, but I'm going to leave you to answer that one. And the second talking point that seems to be coming out, because there's always a few to eke out. Jay Coomero famously was the story of last offseason and um, they're talking about Darnell Savage junior and talking about him uh, and if he's going to practice with the first team defense which he did so is that an indication now that darnell savage is expected to be a starter come season time or is it again just an awful lot of off season waffle
1: that's no, it's a little it's a little bit of both i mean i think that the, i think with darnell savage i think that um you're not taking a guy in, in the first round with um very little depth at that position anyway and not expecting him to come in and start. So I, mm. you know, I think it would be a, a shocker if he, he wasn't working with the first team defense and, and what have you, the, the Billy Turner thing. You, you have to imagine that ultimately he ends up at right tackle simply, simply because of the money yeah. that, that, that they've spent on him. Um, I don't think we can draw any conclusions at, at, at this stage. Um, you know where he's lining up in in the OTAs as to where he may line up come the regular season I I think it's too I think it's too early and I think that you know that they're clearly gonna they're gonna line him up at guard they're gonna line him up at tackle you know you know the same with you know Cole Madison the guy's gonna line up at both of the guard spots and and he's worked out a little bit at center as well and I don't think you can read anything anything into that at all really
0: yeah, it's hard. Like, and I mean the amount of stories going around about the O-line, it's where we were the Vikings, which we're gonna get to later in our state of the state of the North. The state of the North. Uh but there was talk about on the I think it was Steambox maybe this uh, this week, Elton Jenkins. Um, who's going in to play guard? They say that he's going to give Lane Taylor a run for, for his money. Uh, we all know he's adept at center, and then we have Cole Madison coming back as well. I don't really understand the the hype around Cole Madison with where he was drafted, and people saying like, "Oh, you know, an embarrassment to riches." Uh, I you know I think the jury's out. I think Pete on that. I don't know how you feel about it. No,
1: I feel exactly the same way. And 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 to be honest, I think it's a little bit unfair on him to to you know to have huge expectations. Yeah. But, you know, let's just step you know take a step back that. The guy was a fifth round draft pick. Yeah. You know, how many? How many of those guys actually work out? And you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know, fifty percent, forty percent, thirty percent. I don't know what the number what the number is, but it's not a huge number. Um. So I think it, I think it's a little bit unfair to expect, you know, that Cole Madison's going to come in and be the second coming of Jerry Kramer or something. That's you know, that's just just not not who he is. And you know, if he comes in and makes the roster and that's not and that's and that's not a given you know you have to imagine that he's one of those guys on the on the bubble right on the bubble of make it of making the roster but you hope that he comes in and and if he's good enough to make the roster then 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 so be it you know it absolutely helps in terms of competition hmm. you know it really, you know it it really does and they clearly saw something in him before they took him last year um but you know we have to be realistic and say you know he's Is competing for a spot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think the intrigue there with them, uh, morbidly so online, was, which we subsequently found out um, after, and again, not the whole story, and I'll always say that to people, you know, when they go, oh, here's uh, my two two cents about it, and we can all have opinions, and me and you have opinions, and Andy Davies comes up with some great hot takes, and, you know, there's like a, a million people online who come up with stuff. We don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, and the intrigue with him was is just why he hadn't shown up, and they never gave a reason that he was going through some stuff, and people didn't know is it, is it substance issues, is it a mental health issue, is it injury issues, is it does he not want to play football anymore, is it a family bereavement, um, and it ended up being sort of you know a, a pretty bad situation, um, for him, but we don't know, and I think that intrigue is added to it, um, which is unfortunate for him that, you know, he had that pressure, I guess, on him, and and those demons, and then they've been kind of and I don't want to add to it by talking about it either. No, I think, I, th- you I, th-
1: I think you're right. You know, I think, I think, you know, p- putting the circumstances to one side, I think that the, the fact that he was out for a year and coming back, I think that does add extra pressure mm. the, than it would have done if it had been, you know, been playing last year.
0: Yeah. And we've added to the O-line, um, as well. So you know, with Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner. So again, it kind of adds to his competition. So had he come on last season, then maybe things would have been different, but he has more competition. Maybe that's a good thing. Speaking of competition, and um, the other hot topic that's that's whizzing around is wide receiver. This time last year it was kind of tacked on that you know, Devontae Adams number one, Randall Cobb number two, which could flip flop with Geronimo Allison. Looking at it now, Peter, uh is Allison the de facto number two now just by process of elimination with Cobb gone or do you do you sort of bundle him in with evs and, and all the rest now i know he has experience and it might be doing him a disservice um but again the jury's still out for some people on allison especially with the injuries that he picked up and we're not really getting a proper look at him i quite like the guy i think he's quite useful um you know and then there's that whole trevor davis thing that erupted online today um about people saying he's the best kick return guy and other people uh disagreeing um, you know, and we've seen some great things from Trevor Davis, but also some real howlers from him as well. Um, so really early doors, I'm asking you for the lotto numbers here, Pete. Uh, so where do you stand in this wide receiver situation? Is it as intri- intriguing as we think it is, or is it pretty much nailed on there who we're going to see?
1: No, I think I think it's intriguing. I th- I think that Geronimo Allison is the de facto number two by by default, if yeah. you will. Um, but I don't think that necessarily. Um, you know, means that he's um, got any better chance, if you like, of being the number two come the regular season than probably M- MVS has, or, or even even EQ. I think I think those three are probably in a very close competition for that number number two um, wide receiver spot. And I and I think realistically in this day and age, you're probably looking at three starters in inverted commas in any case. You know, most most of most of the time. So um, there's probably not a lot to choose between the number two and the number three. Um, but I think those three those three names that we've mentioned, I think, will be in a very close competition in in training camp.
0: Yeah, like I, I think the problem is as well. I mean, we've looked at it for a while now with Martellus Bennett um, and then Jimmy Graham. Uh, and now Jace coming in, Jace Sternberg, who still has got to sign his contract, by the way. Jace get a move on pal. Um, so we're looking at this stuff and we're looking then at Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and the inventive ways that they they run stuff out of the backfield. Um, you know, and then with the with the tight end position coming in, we're gonna see multiple tight end sets, multiple, you know, like crazy stuff with wide receivers. So yep. maybe the the same way is that we don't believe in a 3 4 defense. Um, Any more three four four three, it doesn't really matter. Maybe the same applies for the offense. I guess Peter, right? That we're going to see some inventive stuff. So we're, we're, they're all just pieces of a bigger puzzle than just having a de facto one and two, perhaps.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's. I think I think that's exactly right. I, I think that you know, in in essence, this move away from the three four defense or the four three defense to to, to multiples is a reaction yeah. to to the way that offenses have progressed in the last ten years or so. Um, you know, we're only going back 10, maybe 15 years when when we never saw empty backfields, for example. So you never saw a five wide receiver set or four wide receivers with a running back split out wide. You never saw that in the pros. So so a lot of this stuff is is new and it evolves all the time. And and you're absolutely right. I think you know we're going to see multiple tight end sets. We're going to see Sternberger and/or Graham split out wide. We're going to see one of them line up in the in the slot. We can see all of that stuff, you know. We're going to see three three tight ends out there, I, th- I think, on quite a number of occasions, and then we're going to have, you know, four wide receivers. We're going to see probably a tight end lined up in the backfield from time to time. Yeah. So, I think we, yeah, I think we're, we're going to see all of that stuff, and that can only be good.
0: Yeah, and it's. I don't think they're going to show their hand either. People are sort of looking at like, oh, how inventive can they get? How exotic can they get? They're not going to show that we have three um, open OTA sessions. Um, there's what is it today the 29th and the and June 4th so they're not going to show us a whole lot especially this early and they're asking questions as well of Matt LaFleur and they're kind of saying like oh what type of stuff are you going to run and we see Trevor Davis out there and we see special teams players and all the rest in, in that regard I mean you know what, who's going to be the return man and, and what the and he's like look we're still installing stuff you <laughs> know they don't even know and I mean from Matt LaFleur's uh, press conference that's just over um, You know, he's talking about stuff like he's going over and picking Aaron's brain and sort of finding out what he likes. It's going to be pretty experimental up, up until the point. And preseason, um, you know, might be a bit more useful, I guess. Now, we always say it, don't we, that preseason, you don't really see anything because you don't know. They might like sort of work on the whole game and say, we're just going to focus on our O-line play. Not everybody else go ham, but they'll sort of say, like everybody else, you know, they, they'll do their sort of bare basic sort of stuff and they'll sort of focus on certain O-line shifts, let's say. But we don't know that watching us. Um, so we're not really going to see how exotic they're going to get. But this preseason, we might see something a little bit different solely because there's, you know, there's different personnel in there. So yeah. they're going to do things that are going to look a bit different to us. Yeah, and
1: I, and I, yeah, and I, and I would expect to see some of the starters play a little bit more in preseason. Yeah. You know, I, th- I I would expect to see Rodgers play a little bit more in this preseason than probably he ever has or ever has since he became a starter. Um, You know, and it, it was, you know, if you go back to the Brett Favre era, as it were, and, and, and before that, you know, it wasn't unusual that your starting quarterback would, you know, he would play the first three preseason games. It typically sit out the last one. Now, he might only play a series or two in each of those games, but he would normally play three of the four preseason games just to get out there just to get the feel of it and I think with a new offense and you know new head coach and whatever else and um I, I would expect to see those starters play just a little tad more in the in, in the preseason
0: isn't it mad though Peter like it is a balancing act too right that you know a new head coach new offensive coordinator a, de- a-, a defensive coordinator that's Coming into be second year, he wants everybody held, he wants to show people really what he can do with that second year and people knowing his scheme. You want to put the starters out exactly like you say, but then um you're kind of you're caught between a rock and a hard place in the sense that if you do put the starters out and they end up getting injured, then you're kinda of like, Jesus, it does it derail stuff, uh, you know, from uh, the very start.
1: No, you're absolutely right. You have to you have to find that balance. I I I, I think in retrospect that the the balance went has gone too far the other way from a Packers perspective in the last four or five years, you know, with, with, with Rogers almost playing about two, two series in the third preseason game. And that was it. And it felt like, you know, if you looked at the Chicago game last year, before Rogers got injured, um, the, the, the season opener, it felt like the offense had never seen each other before. Yeah. And it just, and, and, and it just kind of felt like they were undercooked going into that, that, that that opener, but but you're right. I mean, it's absolutely a balance. You know, <laughs> if Rodgers were to go down in the in the preseason or one of your keys, <laughs> oh, you know, ex- exactly. You know, yeah. so you know, um, but you know, the the realistically, you know, you you have to expect that somebody will go down in the preseason or or in training camp. You know, one of your starters will go down. Yeah. Um, you know. I, again, I don't know what the statistics are, but you can bet that in 75% of years, one of the guys that you that you you know designated who was going to be a starter probably you probably lost him for the season in training camp. Jake Ryan, I guess, last year. You know, and it may not be your top top player, but you can bet that somebody will go down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a real uh, it's a real stinker when it happens. And that's he why says, he says
1: very pessimistically. I yeah, know, right. But uh,
0: <laughs> it's a it's a real it's a real stinker when it happens. And, you know, to go from this excitement to be sort of thrown into disarray, if that was to happen, um, it'd be shocking. But exactly like you say, we really do need to sort of cast off that rust um, and feel like it's brand new to everybody.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing. So I think that even just the stuff that you take for granted, you know, the play calling coming into the quarterback. How long is that taking before Rodgers has got the play call? You know, how long has he got at the line of line of scrimmage to make those audibles and stuff like that? So all of that you can only really get in a, in a game situation. Mm. Um, so, so I think so I think yeah, it's a it's it's a balance that has to be found. Do
0: you know who's not going to be there though? And I'm going to make this prediction. <laughs> I think you can see where this is going. I don't think Josh Jones is going to be there, for whatever know? reason. Yeah, I don't know why.
1: Brother Josh,
0: I'm, I yeah, uh... <laughs> brother Josh. Yeah, he's gone into the priesthood. Uh, <laughs> is Josh? Um, yeah, Peter. This is a crazy situation for OTAs, and it's crazy for a multiple uh, for multiple reasons. I guess number one is that the criticism is out there that he hasn't put enough. Um, you know, he hasn't put enough game tape down to be requesting a trade. Um, is this just madness? From how do you see this? How do you see this happening, jo- So to let people know who don't know, um, Josh Jones uh, hasn't shown up for OTAs, and he's working with his uh, you know, strength and conditioning coaches in Florida and keeping himself fit and all the rest. But he's uh, allegedly. Now this is from Rob Domofsky, who we love and trust, Um so we're sure it's it's all above board and it's all fine. And he has it corroborated with about fifteen different sources. But according to Rob Domofsky, Josh Jones is after coming out and saying that he's requesting a trade, and that it's best for both sides. Is this just madness on the part of Josh Jones, Peter?
1: Um, he he clearly doesn't think so. Um,
0: yeah. I, I'm I'm I'm
1: t- I'm torn on this one. I, I think I think we're all kind of. When the when the story broke today, I think we're all kind of. I think the first emotion is probably disappointment mm. that that there's a guy whoever whoever it is that doesn't want to play for the Packers, that looks like he's throwing his toys out of the pram and that and that kind of stuff. So I think so I think you know disappointment's the first emotion that comes to comes to mind. I guess if you're Josh Jones, you you're looking at it. And they picked up two safeties who are clearly going to start in the, in, you know, picked up two safeties in the off season that are clearly going to, going to start. And you're probably looking at it and thinking that your opportunities are somewhat limited, even though, you know, Mike Pettin likes to play with three safeties quite a lot, you know, so-called big nickel defense. I, I guess that he was hopeful that's the right word that he would be at least in contention for a starting spot. Uh, and, I, and I guess that that's out of that's out of the window barring, barring injury. And I guess he's at the point where, you know, he, he failed to break the starting line up until very late in the season last year. You know, even though the Packers struggled at safety for, for the whole of the year with Bryce and Whitehead and all of those guys, um, it, it, it's disappointing because I think there's a role for him, um, you know, with the, with the Packers, but it's not a start. It's not a starting role. Um, do I think there's any trade value for Josh Jones? Very little. Um, you know, this is a, a guy that was drafted in the second round. You can make an argument that he probably wasn't worth a second rounder, but he was probably a second or third rounder that year. Um, But as you said, there's very little on tape that if you were a team looking to pick him up, you know, why would you give up anything more than probably a conditional seventh round draft pick to pick him up? Yeah, Uh, especially as the situation now is it's you have to imagine that it's possible that the Packers eventually release him anyway.
0: Yeah, like I, I guess I've got a lot to say about about nothing on it really. So, I, like you said, the the first reaction is the knee jerk reaction to, to slay them online, um, to to murder them about you know bad play and inconsistent play and penalties and all this type of stuff. There's some measured approaches, but for what it's worth, here's my two cents and i'll always go to this we simply don't know what went on behind the scenes we can read into it um so you see a guy and um he joins a job and there's a, a girl there and he flirts with the girl then him and his girlfriend break up and then you think oh because he was doing the dirty with this new girl in work you know and like the thing is is life is is very uh seldom um you know pure and simple and as oscar wilde says it's never pure and really simple so like with this situation, I guess on the outset to us, it looks like the girl at work is uh, Savage um, and Adrian Amos. And it looks like that they've replaced him at safety and all the rest. But like, before this, and, and like you alluded to, he struggled to break onto the team till like week 10 or week 11 um, last season. And then he played uh, pretty, I, I can say consistently. He, he was played a lot then after that. He got enough snaps. He got enough snaps to, to make a case for himself, let's say we still upgraded the position he was beat out by Kentrell Bryce who was himself undrafted Uh, we had to bring in Tremont Williams and then move him from cornerback to safety now people are making a big deal of that and looking at Tremont Williams age what I would say is is that it's actually more natural for a player to move to a safety role uh, later um, in his years I mean you know you look at all the greats and of course we had one uh, wearing 21 not recently um, for the Packers who's you know when you look at moving from cornerback to safety makes an awful lot more sense um, so that I don't really read too much into, but I mean, we all knew his deficiencies, right? Uh, if he played close to the line of scrimmage, he was pretty dynamite. He was a hard hitter, um, but he, you know, he was at sometimes a penalty machine, and also he didn't really seem to be able to, uh, you know, get it done if he if he wasn't playing up close to the line of scrimmage. But we really simply don't know what the story was. Now, what could have happened to me, Pete, was is that you know we went in on some safeties and. He definitely in my opinion, he definitely had a chance to play because it's Mike Petton's defence, and we like to see how inventive he gets. Not unless you're playing on the D line, the interior D line, you know, are you're going to be playing consistently or someone else goes down. So he had definitely had a chance to play, like you say. But I wonder, and this is only me pondering, did he go to the Packers brass and say, Hey? Because he did show up in April, um in the offseason. So did he go up and sit in an office and say you know, where am I actually going to play? Am I going to play at safety or are you going to play me a linebacker? Maybe he didn't want to be played in sort of some sort of hybrid linebacker role. He wanted to play as safety. And they said, no, no, we're going to use it in sort of a utility role. And he wasn't happy. Um, did he say that he did? They tell him that his only opportunity on the team was going to be safety and he was going to have to grid it out and fight it out. And then he didn't have the mental fortitude and bailed. And sort of said, well, screw it. If, I, if I'm going to have to fight for a safety spot, I know I'm not going to get it. Because I know they don't believe in me because of what they've shown me about playing people ahead of me before. You know, we really don't know what the... Was it acrimonious? I mean, did he, did he mean by... And I don't know, I'm kind of rattling on now. But when he said it's best for both parties if they parted ways. You know, is that... Is it mutual effectively? And he thought that, well, I'm not going to wait around. And he thought... He hedged these bets with his agent and thought, look, I'll hold out. Do a little bit of drama now. Hopefully get traded bank on the team that trades for me, albeit it's going to be a pretty low pick, that I'm going to stick on the roster because they gave something away from me, which gives me some inherent value from the very beginning. And then he's going to land on a roster. Um, it's the only thing that makes sense. But for me, the jury's out on him as a player, I guess. But one thing I do think he's done, Peter, is, is he's burned all his bridges and he's going to go from Green Bay. And I reckon they'll end up releasing them either way. So,
1: so Yeah, so 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 I, I, I think I think you're right. We don't know. So at the end of the season... You know, all of the players are in there for their end of season interviews with normally with the head coach. Now, in this situation, I'm assuming that Joe Philbin still did those interviews and there may have been an indication there that, you know, Josh, you're going to get the chance to compete, you know, for, for a starting spot, et cetera, et cetera, come 2019, you know, the next season and what have you. It may not have been said, obviously, in those terms, but that may have been the message that, that Josh Jones took away from that end-of-season interview. He may have then come into to April and got a completely different – or what he thought was a completely different message because message sent and message received are often two different things. And, 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 and he may have left the, the, the camp in April thinking, actually – with what's going on and what they've indicated or said to me now, that's not what I would previously thought was going on, and therefore I'm an unhappy bunny. Yeah. Um, so, so you just, you know, like you said, Steve, you just don't know what's gone on behind closed closed doors, and that doesn't mean that anybody's done anything wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like I say, sometimes a message sent and message received are not the same thing. You hear what you want to hear. Um. So you know, you, who knows? <laughs> Long and short of it, who knows what, what's what's gone on behind closed doors. And I and I'm kind of um with you most of the way on the burning the bridges thing. My my only kind of reticence is that we've seen players in the past, typically not with the Packers, but we've seen players in the past walk walk off teams holding out for more money and demanding a trade and this, that, and the other, and then they somehow make up. And carry on as though nothing ever happened. So, so that can that can happen, but I but I don't think so in this instance because I don't think it, I think it would be different if he were, you know, your number one safety or exactly, your yeah. starting quarterback or whatever it might be. Then I then I think you know somehow you find a way of making up. But I think in this instance his leverage is so is so small that it's difficult to see it's difficult to see him coming back.
0: Yeah, and I guess I guess that's my point as well, is exactly that. It, it is the leverage. It's amazing, like I mean, if you're needed in a place and you throw your toys out of a pram, they will put out the red carpet for you for a certain degree, I guess. But for a player of Josh Jones, Jones's caliber, um, more so his history, I guess. It, it just hasn't felt very right for him. And I would say is that there's there's things that we don't know, but there's things also that we do. And one of those is is that if you pull a stunt like this, um, it's only going to go a number of ways. And depending, like you say, on leverage and all the rest. I mean, for for me, and I mean, who cares, I guess, what I think. But I would imagine. Because look, the, I saw a, a tweet today from a scout. And he said, here's the top five things I learned as a scout. You know, number one, trust your instincts on a player. Number two, be prepared to fight for him. Number three. And he went through them all. But I think it was his second or third point was is that attitude uh, and personality matters. So when you go and draft a player, he has to have the right frame of mind. Now for a player to do this, whether he's being advised incorrectly um, or maybe, maybe for him as well, and this is the thing that people overlook too, I guess, is that maybe this was his best option. You know, yep. maybe he was—he knew he was going to be released. Maybe he was told he was going to be, or maybe he knew that he was going to fall down the pecking order. Or this is what he's decided for himself. If well, this ends uh, up punting him out of the league, it's the risk that he took. But you can only think, Pete, that this was the best he did for his career. Maybe.
1: Well, yeah, and and the other thing you have to consider is—is is if he thought moving teams was his best chance at continuing his NFL career, mm. he's better off being released or traded now yeah than get than getting to the last cut down day you know first of September or whenever that is you know the last day before the regular season starts and being cut then
0: yeah
1: you know because he's got he's got a few months to to find his way onto an n f l roster if he was to be released or traded now
0: yeah and learn uh the playbooks the yep. plays the calls and get yep. used to it instead of as you say being uh, released and then as well as that like to to remember too that the nfl is different now so all of the players get cut on the same day it's not sort of a gradual yep. cut down now of course the teams can still do that but uh you know they have to cut them by a certain point so you don't want to be sort of working out in the gym and get released then and kind of you know it's like when a factory in a in a town everyone gets made redundant you know you have a massive wave onto the jobs market which in turn makes your chance of getting a job that is available quite low because there's an awful lot of people who are equally or better qualified than you on the jobs market. So well,
1: yeah, I mean if you if you if you think about that, you know, there's potentially thirty thirty seven players from thirty two teams. Yeah. You know. That's it. Yeah. Monkey Monkey Math says that's about a thousand players, isn't it? Being released on that day.
0: Yeah. And um, potential
1: to be released on that on that day.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's an odd story, and again, stuff that people are jumping up and down about, um, and going crazy. But the thing is, look, we don't have all the info, and as much as we want to, well, people want to uh, slay them and all the rest, and that is the knee-jerk reaction. Um, you know, I I mean I get
1: yeah, I mean I guess what it does do now is it gives the opportunity for the likes of Raven Green and and I guess um, Jameson Jameson and those guys to stake a claim for that number three safety spot. And for the, for the Packers to to get more time with them, seeing what they've got with those players. Yeah, you know, because it may it may well be that 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 come training camp and they work they work those players into into the um give them more playing time that they actually feel like actually I need to go out and find another one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and um, we look at sort of the talk about oh, who's going to be the backup quarterback? Is it going to be Boyle or Kaiser? And you know, and then whoever else we we bring in for competition. I know there is another quarterback in the roster, but people are talking about how precious those reps are, and especially with a new system that they're going to want Aaron Rodgers to play more to get used to that system. So when you have players like Josh Jones. Uh, who would be seen lower down in the pecking order and they're only going to get so many snaps and are they going to play with first team defense or whatever. It allows those other players to really get after those those snaps and those reps. And um, so for other players on the team, it's very advantageous that he's doing this for them. And like you say, you know, we're we're going to get to see who we have um, and all the rest. But yeah, interesting developments. It's, it's probably going to be one of many stories on OTAs. Of course, we have the special team side of stuff as well uh, with the kicking competition. Um, and all the rest and how we see that going and we see a couple of articles that kind of you know talked about what i was saying that if you have a reliable kicker it's not a bad idea to overpay slightly depending on the you know a number of factors coming into play Um, i'd like to hear how you think about that actually peter as well because i was kind of effectively talking to myself on the last podcast (laughs) Uh, but you know when we looked at the likes of the chicago bears and the mire that they're in and you know it was pretty it was pretty shocking but uh, this Mason Crosby business, I haven't got to pick your brain um, about it. So, how do you feel about this whole kicking competition malarkey?
1: So, so I think the jo- I think the job's his, unless they feel like they're in cap difficulty. Right. So, so I, so I don't. So I don't. I don't think anybody beats him out on pure ability. Um, l- like you say, you've got a, a reliable, solid kicker, multiple many years in. in in the league um, you know, he's probably going to get the same percentage of, of field goals this year as he's got roughly speaking in every year of his career. So you know what you've got yeah. you've got a, you know, a pretty damn good one. Um, So I think the job's his unless they feel like they've got a cap problem.
0: Yeah which again it's amazing is that i mean the amount of service that he's given to the packers all-time leading score, and it and it does come down to that sometimes that it's all about you know measuring up the salary cap and seeing the sort of it's like anything else it's kind of like a car you know you can sort of you can get the top of the range one that costs 200 grand or 50 grand um not saying that I, i do that but you're kind of looking at like is that extra bit of comfort and image worth that 150 grand
1: and that's exactly the you know, and that's exactly the question they have to ask themselves, and they'll be asking themselves that question acro- across the whole roster. Yeah. But you know, if you take your kicker, let's say, let's say Crosby's, I don't know, an eighty percent field goal kicker at five million a year, and the guy that you bring in you think is going to be a seventy eight percent field goal kicker at four hundred and ninety grand a year,
0: mm.
1: you know, it's it's is that extra two percent worth the extra four and a half million dollars to you and it might be because that two percent might be the game winning field goal so that's exactly, the judgment but yeah. that's, that's the judgment called it that, that every team has to make across the across their roster because of the cat
0: and is he good in the clutch and how do you figure that out yep. without dropping the guy who you yep. know was reliable arts yep. oh, it's a it's, uh... It's a minefield. That's why we don't do that job, Pete. <laughs> we're not asked to uh, make decisions on it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Peter Jones is super ruthless. I don't know. Maybe you roll in and say, cut him, <laughs> get
1: rid of him. I don't well, know. Well, so, so the other way of looking at that is is that the offense will be so good yeah, in 2019 that you'll never kick any field goal.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, uh, can get the, you can get the punter in or just... Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't no, know. No, Jerry they'll, Kramer's they'll still they'll, knocking no, around. You can give no, him no, a... will never they'll never punt, Steve. So you can, you uh. can forget...
1: You don't need a punter on the roster. No kicker, no punter. They're not going to punt. They're not going to kick. So you can get rid of the holder as well.
0: Yeah, no long snapper. Don't need that. How about that? Fill it it up with an extra few wide receivers. Or maybe we can keep Josh Jones around and convince him to stay and give him one of those spots. Um, Yeah, maybe we can make Josh Jones a kicker. Um, Because that's the only place he's going to have. But look, we we're only as good and we can only make it to the playoffs if we go through the north and the north unfortunately sits with the chicago bears i did a state of the north um look at the at the chicago bears last week and so this week we're gonna go and have a look at the minnesota vikings Um, peter this is intriguing enough because in looking into this and unfortunately sitting through as per usual uh, some vikings podcasts some of them really super biased I mean, I'm sure people would think that if they were listening to us. I know, we like to, I know that's, that's natural, right? Otherwise, it would be you know called the NFC North podcast. But some of these Vikings things and some of the takes they have uh, stink as bad as their O-line last year. Uh, but the Vikings, everyone expected the Vikings to be much better last year. And it wasn't the case. Um, did you see this team as the boogie team last year? And what do you see were the main sort of, you know, the good things, the good, the bad and the ugly, let's say, uh, with the Minnesota Vikings for you last year?
1: So I thought that I, I thought that they would win the NFC North last year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I I'm not as down on Kirk Cousins as as lots of people are. Um, I think he's a decent a decent quarterback. I don't think he's not he's not in the upper echelon of, of quarterbacks, but but he's a he's a, he's a decent quarterback. And I and I thought that they would be better than they were last year. I mean, th- their O line was horrible. And that didn't help cousins and it didn't help. It didn't help the running game. Um, But I I think it's generally speaking, I think it's quite a talented roster and I, and I expect that. Yeah. I look at it and I think, you know, they, they they won eight and a half games last year, eight, seven and and one. It looks like a, a 10 win team to me. when, When, when I look at it now, when I when I when I try and look at, at or predict teams' records, I think that there's probably about twelve games that kind of give you a team's record, and I think there's four games that you could w- either win all four or lose all four. So, 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 I think the Vikings are, and this really does sound like I'm 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 hedging my bets, but I think that they're anywhere between eleven and five, and, se- <laughs> and seven and nine. At least it didn't right? say so,
0: zero and sixteen. No, between <laughs> zero and sixteen, somewhere.
1: So, so, so they're between 11 wins and 7 wins. That's my kind of four-game stretch yeah. there. So, so I think they're a... Oh, I guess in the middle of that makes them a 9 win. They look like an, a 10-win a team to me.
0: Yeah. You see, the problem with the Vikings, was is a, is a number of things really coming in. Is that, number one, the expectations were high because of the performance the prior season. So when they're coming into this, people thought, like, you know, they have all the pieces there. They have Kirk Cousins, which is going to be a stalwart, a quarterback. The problem with him was, as well, as that fully guaranteed contract. So although, you know, you come in with a fully guaranteed contract and it looks like an absolute coup uh, by him to have fully guaranteed and Aaron Rodgers come out and sort of said at the time, fair play to him uh, for doing it. Now, if I was Kirk Cousins, I'd be doing, you know, nosedives into my glass coffee table. I'd be doing jumps. You know those videos where you see them jumping off the roof into their home pool? I'd be doing all of that stuff. I'd be doing the most dangerous things. Um, you know, fully guaranteed happy days. But the thing was, is it really just serves as you know, is a a whip of self-flagellation. That's flagellation, word of the podcast. That's what it ends up as. You end up kind of, um, you know, scuppering yourself to a degree because you come in with this big contract, big expectation. The jury was out with him when he was with Washington anyway, and people were saying that he can just about bring you to the playoffs. He's very serviceable and he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great sort of upper echelon quarterback either, but he's not bad. Um, You know, then they point to that stuff like, you know, Jordan Reed in Washington who just for whatever reason couldn't get it going. They sort of half blamed him. They half blamed Jordan Reed for not getting that going. So this was his chance where they say, right, he has a, a ready-made IKEA style piece of furniture here that he can just walk into and it's already done for him. And they you know the thing was Pete that they said he didn't really get the job done, but there were eight in passing offense last year. Um it was his fourth straight season throwing over four thousand yards. And he broke all sort of kinds of records in Minnesota. Now, what do records mean in Minnesota? They've got a pretty empty cabinet there for any type of accolades. Um, <laughs> but he said, sort of a, a you know a franchise uh, single season record for completion percentage, and as well as that, he had an offensive line that absolutely stunk the house up, which is why they went out in the off season and uh, during the draft and tried to address that as well. Um, you know they're they're rushing. Offense was thirtieth. Dalvin Cook couldn't get out and going. The fact that there was big expectation for him, so I think that's a tale of last season for them is massively high expectations, um, and then they fell by the wayside. So, so much so is that remember Mike Zimmer came out and and they were kind of asking him, Mike, what's going on, buddy? And he was like, well, and he was the most candid. The one thing I will say for Mike Zimmer, um, is is that he was um. Super straightforward. When he was talking about it, he was talking about John Di Filippo, who was meant to be seen as this kind of guru, um, who came in. Which is kind of the alarm bells go off for the Packers too when we start talking about Nathaniel Hackett and Lafleur and the gurus, and it's exciting and different. Di Filippo was asked by Mike Zimmer, and he said this in a press conference, to dumb down the offense effectively and to stop adding to it. Because the problem was there was so much confusion because you come up with a play and then next week you just keep slapping stuff in. And then he got sacked uh, midway through the season, which was shocking as well. So, uh, yeah, it's the height of expectation, Pete, to the lows of what they hit.
1: Yeah, and I think that that, that, that Zimmer and Di Filippo were clearly on a different page. Oh, yeah. Last year, I'm not even sure they were on the same, you know, looking at the same playbook. Never mind about on a, on a different page of the playbook. It, it, it would concern me as a Vikings fan, which I'm clearly not. But it would concern me if I were a Vikings fan. I'm really not. I'm not a, <laughs> spying. I
0: don't. I don't think you have to say. I think we see the grainy uh, 1980s photos of you and your Packers gear. Don't worry about
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you've not seen those 1970s photos of me with Tarkenton. Um, so, um with a Super Bowl trophy kind of photoshopped in.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, um, we know you're a closet Browns fan, but Vikings <laughs> fan, definitely
1: not. Um so where was I going? Yeah, what would concern me if I were a Vikings fan this year is that whilst I think they've made a good pickup in in, in bringing in Gary Kubiak, who's, you know, got multiple Super Bowls as a as a backup quarterback and, and as a coordinator and head and head coach, so he's he's he he's a good guy. Mm. Um what would concern me is he's not the offensive coordinator that Kevin Stefanski is, and you wonder how long that relationship can, can exist with those two and Zimmer as well. Uh, you know, who, who, who the hell is running the offense here? Yeah. Because it's okay when things go well, but as soon as, as, soon as you have a couple of bad games, you know, they're all pointing the finger at each other, which is what happened last year. Yeah. Um, you know, three, three into one doesn't go re- very well.
0: Yeah, a lot of big egos. And that, that is the problem. And we've seen that happen um, you know, in Oakland. Uh, we've seen stuff like that happen with the Jets this off season where there's too many big egos, too many fingers being pointed, too many people trying to take the reins. Like and that's the things that we saw when the whole, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy thing where we're talking about the ego and all this. Any anybody who plays at a top level in this game, be it coaching as well as players, we always associate players with having that big ego, but coaches are just as bad or good, depending on how uh, you know you harness that and use that going forward but I think the main takeaway for me anyway last season was um, you know was was that sort of turmoil Mike Zimmer came out at one stage and even said I don't know if the players are still listening to me I don't know if the messages getting through it or they're just ignoring me and that was a massive thing for a head coach to say because you're kind of putting your neck on the line for you to get the sack because if you're coming out saying I don't think I think I've lost the locker room what I think to say DiFilippo goes and they're you know they're looking to sort of turn over a new leaf player wise kirk cousins um kirk cousins to me he's a good quarterback he can certainly get it done kirk cousins doesn't strike me as a player who you know you have someone with busted coverage running a seam route straight to the end zone and he just doesn't see them he always seems like a player to me he goes through his reads and picks the right one he's not he's not very innovative um he's not a player with dynamite you know pocket presence um does he run around a lot? Will he beat you with his legs? Sometimes everything about him is meh, you know. So it's kind of like, but he yeah, still gets no, those big it, numbers, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it really it 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 really is. I think yeah, I think he's very solid. Yeah, you know, and he's one of those guys. If you if you put put a a decent team around him that performs, then 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 yeah, you can win with him. You know, he's 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 not one of the guys that we've had in the past that it wouldn't matter what. Kind of team you put around them, you just can't win with those guys. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, if you look at, let's just say, I don't know, Mahomes, Breeze, Rivers, Rodgers, Brady, Goff, Luck, Wilson, Watson, Mayfield, Ryan, Prescott, Roethlisberger, Newton. He's below that lot, and I don't know how many I've named there, but about fifteen. Um, you know, and that's not even including the likes of last year's rookies, Sam Darnold and, and Josh Allen. So. That's where he is in that next batch of quarterbacks at 15 to 20, maybe 20 in the league. And, and you know, it would be difficult, I think, for for even a staunch Vikings fan to argue that he's in the list of names that I've just read out.
0: Yeah. And also that list top of your head very impressive <laughs> let me just put that out there very impressive that wasn't edited that was actually peter just reaming off all those quarterbacks and next week he'll be doing the offensive line of each team um and, uh, <laughs> but like if you, if you look at it as well Peter, like passing offense eight rushing offense 30th that's because the offensive line stunk now we'll get into you know really quickly because it's not the vikings podcast we know that we, we we don't lean towards the vikings this isn't the purple podcast uh, and <laughs> so they're going to improve that with the offensive line passing defense fifth rushing defense 13s and they've also upgraded on defense in the off season as well now some of those are some head scratchers but um kyle rudolph you know a kind of guy who was because when i was looking at this and you know starting off at last season then looking at the upgrades they've upgraded everywhere they needed to upgrade offensive line they went in the first round got an offensive lineman um, and again he's a real packer style um offensive lineman and you're you're obviously the man to to speak on it uh garrett bradbury and also in the uh, fourth round they got drew samia as well um he, he's the og he's an offensive uh, lineman as well sort of seen as that sort of one size fits all flexible can work up and down the o-line so again they're really trying to hedge their bets here in the o-line so dalvin cook um who was who actually ended up with the same uh yards per carry in his rookie season uh, which people thought oh my god this guy's an absolute weapon that we didn't really get to see in that season either but like he, he was kind of the same and they're, they're looking for a replacement and at running back as i was thinking you know they need someone to replace latavius murray they get alexander madison uh, in the third round so they've done it there and then i looked at it and said oh well kyle rudolph you know even though he smoked us for 72 yards in week two um, he's he did very little i think he scored his first touchdown like in week 14 15 or something like that Um, but they, they upgraded there they got irv smith jr who was uh, behind um, Hawkinson and Fant at number three on your list right so they got him in round two so again a really solid blocking tight end so they have upgraded everywhere where they needed to so it was very clever from them
1: yeah so I think that you know, I, I think defensively they're, pr- they're, pretty, they're pretty solid anyway ass- assuming that the um, you know nothing happens between now and the regular season you know they got Anthony Barr back eventually yeah um, he had his little dalliance with the Jets but came back. The they're solid the secondary's solid. Um, you know, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, um, Trey Waynes. So so I think that defensively they're they're solid. The the running game is well you know and unless they're able to run the football a little bit more successfully than they did last year, they're gonna end up in the same same spot. That's gonna be their difference between you know ten or eleven wins and seven and eight wins. Is being able being able to run run the ball, um, so yeah, Garrett Bradbury they picked up in the in the first round. Um, I don't think there's too much to choose between him and and the guy that we that we chose in the second in the second round, Elton, Elton Jenkins. So similar type can play center or guard. Um, Drew samer of Oklahoma they picked up in the fourth round. Um, those Oklahoma offensive linemen. I'm not a great fan of them as a kind of general statement because, because of the the offense that they run at Oklahoma. They, they tend to start doing funny stuff with their offensive linemen. Um, so, um, you know, last year with Kyler Murray there, if you looked at Oklahoma's offensive line, the splits in the offensive linemen were wider than you normally see. Yeah to allow passing lanes for Kyler for, 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 you know, the short little quarterback they had. <laughs> um, and they do that. You know, the, the, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how, how he works, how he works out. So I think they had a solid draft, like say Earth Smith in the second round. Um, the Kyle Rudolph thing's interesting because, uh, you know, they're, they're shopping him around because basically because of his cap number. If, they, if the truth, truth be known, they're in cap trouble the Vikings so they're only about a million above the cap today and you know when they get to towards the regular season and and you've got all those players on injured reserve and you've got to do your practice squad and whatever else they've got cap problems Uh, and and so uh, Rudolph won't be there I'm pretty certain of that come the start of the start of the season Um, so they're going to expect Earth Smith to step up almost immediately and I think that He's a good pick in the second round, but I think that you know they've really got to be looking at him developing and 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 really contributing in twenty twenty. So I think that you know they've got. I think they're a downgrade at tight end in twenty nineteen, assuming Rudolph does go, yeah. Just because they've got to give Erv Smith chance to chance to develop. But I think that generally speaking, across the whole roster, it it feels very close to where it was last year yeah and the key for them for me for them will be the the, the running game
0: yeah which again the, the offensive line but like and I mean if you look at it there's reasons why it it, it underperformed and that comes down to injuries Pat Elfline uh, started the season on PUP or it was week one maybe Uh, Nick Easton neck injury gone Rashad Hill at right tackle was a liability and they ended up playing uh, Brian O'Neill who they drafted that year as a rookie yeah. he ended up being the best player on the offensive line which I got to show you how poor it was and then the sad story of uh, Tony Sperana who passed away just before training camp so again that must have rattled the guys as well um, and it's pretty hard to deal with so um, I I guess the the positive that I've always seen for them um is Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Thielen uh, broke that. Well, didn't really break, did he break the record? I think didn't he match a record? It was like eight games uh, that he had a hundred uh, receiving yeah. yards. And again, he deserved it, Thielen. Um, again, has an interesting backstory. Um, seems like a really nice, humble guy. And again, like everyone keeps sort of comparing Thielen with Devontae Adams as if it's some straight line competition of who's better. They're both great. Uh, and then Stefan Diggs as well, who's seen as kind of the superstar. He had his best season, uh, of his career last season, over a thousand yards, um, over a hundred receptions. So my issue with the Vikes, Pete, and maybe this is a ridiculous thing to say, is is that these two guys are brilliant, but behind them the depth kind of falls away. So if anything happens to one of these two guys, kind of like the Packers, I guess, is that they would be struggling at wide receiver if they don't have someone yeah. to step up.
1: Yeah, so no, I would agree with that. I guess that um Laquan Treadwell was probably the third guy and and yeah. they've not picked they've not picked up the excuse me, the, the fifth year option on on yeah. on him. So so he's out of there and no, I would I, I would agree. I mean you've got two thousand yard receivers there that you can't you can't knock. We'd we'd love to have two thousand yard wide right. receivers. Um but you're right, you know, it's it's the depth behind those two that, that you have to question.
0: Yeah, so all in all, I think we can probably agree that this team has not got worse, I don't think. Like you said about a tight end, I mean the jury's out on that one, but certainly Irv Smith Jr. um is a fantastic replacement if you do yeah, lose is. Rudolph. Yeah so anyway but with this team so they definitely haven't got worse so they would be hoping for uh to to upgrade that o-line play to get their run game going and they're really really dangerous i mean they had four players in the pro bowl last year three of those were defensive players anthony barr harrison Smith, who again had a bit of a down year uh, if you look at the stats uh, and then danielle hunter daniel hunter <laughs> uh, and then adam thielen of course uh, gets in at wide receiver so four pro bowlers um, so yeah a, a dangerous enough squad on defense if Kirk Cousins can get some purchase in the run game to take a bit of the pressure off him so that he can continue being meh well then uh, yeah I think and I say meh he's over 4,000 yard he's very very solid and I'm looking at him and people were slating him and I was like he's actually a, he's a pretty good quarterback but I guess that's where he stops but dangerous dangerous team still
1: yeah very no very very much so and I, yeah, I say I think I think you I think a team can win with with Cousins with the right with the right talent you know, around him, um, and yeah, I think they're I think they're a very a very dangerous team, and and again, you know, I don't think they'll be that far away from from the playoffs, just yeah. just like they were last year. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, the the, the, uh, the only two questions in my mind is how is this relationship with with Zimmer and Stefanski and Kubiak going to work, mm. and the second one is just the cap thing that that, that just concerned would concern me if I was a if I was a Vikings fan, is that that you know Rudolph? I think is definitely going to go, um, but but it but it may be that they will need to cut somebody else as well. Um, so that's the on, that's the only thing, um, you know, because they've just signed Thielen to a huge contract extension, and that's the thing that's finally put them in in real cap difficulties. But putting those two things to one side, I think they're they're there or thereabouts in 2019
0: yeah because as you say I mean the the margin of error was pretty close um, last year they came down to that game against the Bears. The Bears defeated the Vikings, which knocked them out of the playoffs and got the Eagles in. And then the Eagles then went on and beat the Bears, which is the most Bearsiest <laughs> thing that the Bears could do. Fantastic. So, yeah, we uh, look forward to the Vikings not filling their trophy trophy cabinet uh, next year. But that's the state of the Vikings. Um, so, Peeves, I think that really sums up the, the podcast, unless you have any other business or beefs that you want to get off your chest.
1: No, I don't. I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I do, Steve. There's not a draft to prepare for in the next few weeks, so I'm kind of lost. But no,
0: yeah, nothing, nothing. The wife goes away, and you're just standing listlessly at the uh, flip chart and wondering how you're going to fill it up now that you don't have any players to draft. I don't know. You could always do a 2027 mock draft and suppose that you know everyone else is.
1: There, there is, there is that, and there's, there's two dogs staring at me, wondering why I'm sitting here talking to myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you see, Peter, they're used to it. That's all I say. They're probably very, very <laughs> used to the same as me. Um, but yeah, uh, that sums up the podcast. So, uh, the tight end article, which is an absolute corker, uh, written by. Uh, the very man Peter Jones is going to be out on the website in the next day or two that's the top 10 tight ends in Packers history some really cool names on there um, so um, at It Hedgehog, uh, make sure you follow Peter Jones there's always a great follow um, on Twitter and you can follow me at D. D. NFL. follow the group account at UK UKPackers and if you have any questions about the group trip do hit us up in the meantime um, jump onto the website UKPackers.co.uk and also hit us up on Instagram at UKPackers and Facebook at UKPackers and the private group at UK UKPackers and uh, we'll be talking to you next week See ya.
1: Bye.